0: Hi, this is Bianca, and this is Anna, your hosts of Girl Talk Monday's podcast, where we discuss female empowerment, love and relationships, and everything in between. In this podcast, we speak to founders of fashion businesses, content creators,
1: entrepreneurs, psychologists, and authors, to inspire women to reach and fulfill their dream careers. So welcome to Girl Talk Mondays! Mondays. speak to Verity Park. Verity is a brand manager at Gleam, working with the UK's top digital talent and the founder of Daily Flame, a female empowerment candle brand. In this episode, we talk about building a personal
0: brand and the do's and don'ts of influencer marketing.
1: First of all, thank you so much for joining us, Verity. It's so nice to have you on and we really, really are hoping that our listeners are going to be able to understand a little bit more about influencer marketing. So thank you so much for joining us today. Of
2: course, I'm really pleased to be here.
1: We wanted to start off and talk a little bit about your career. So could you talk a little bit about your interest in this field? And when you first started, how did you start What's your background and when did you join Gleam?
2: Of course, so I actually graduated in August 2016 and I just worked for, I think it was a, a year, around a year just a bit over in sales and marketing role before actually just starting my career at Gleam. So I've been with Gleam for three and a half years now. So my kind of career experience is Gleam and yeah, it's probably why I'm so kind of captivated by the digital space. But since 2017, then I've worked at Gleam. I've managed the careers of various digital talent, including kind of Grace Beverly, Naomi Jennes, Olivia Neal, Kat Farmer of Does My Bumlet Forty, and the Mitch Lacks, which is my current roster. But I've been interested in the digital space for. I think since I was at uni, like when it really all started kind of becoming an industry, because it was only an industry really, or has been an industry really for the last 10 years. And I just remember being so captivated by the fact that there's just more trust in in people selling to people rather than brands. Mm -hmm. And I know in myself, I would kind of have that trust in influencers, perhaps more than I would a traditional celebrity or kind of a, a brand itself. Um, So I think that's how it started, you know, taking my interest in the way that influencers would be selling out products from global brands, Mm -hmm. where previously they'd kind of be putting all their budget into out of home, broadcast, et cetera, working with celebrities. So yeah, that's kind of where my interest started and why I chose to work at Gleam. What are the, the best parts of your role? Oh, there's so many things I love about Gleam they encourage you to be entrepreneurial they want you to kind of take charge work with the talent to build their individual careers into whatever you think fits so you you have a lot of control and i think that's that's something i really value but also they're kind of the the og management company you know that they, they initially kind of started the talent like Zoella and Tanya Burr but they kind of since expanded into like the entertainment industry with talent like Nadia Swala and Paige Turley. So I love that they're constantly innovating and growing and changing. And and I think that's what keeps myself and I'm sure all of the other employees really, really interested.
0: We actually wanted to know as well from a talent management side, what are the biggest changes that you've noticed? The
2: company itself, itself has developed and changed so much because really, I think beforehand, people would kind of see influencers, oh, you just make them do a post on their channel. But actually, they're so much, they're so much more potent than that. And I think that's something that Dom, the previous founder of um, or the founder of Gleam, noticed. And he was kind of a pioneering force in the industry. So like over the last 11 years, Gleam has developed and diversified into kind of Initially, just managing the careers of talent to opening different arms like Gleam Titles, which is our publishing arm. Because really, if a talent's potent, that its audience will follow it from platform to Mm -hmm. platform. And Gleam Solutions, which is our business to business digital solution for brands. So we have clients like Kellogg's and Pandora. Mm -hmm. Um, Gleam Studios because TV are now interested in working with digital talent because they're noticing that the numbers on digital are higher than the numbers on broadcast in lots of cases Mm -hmm. and lots more. So that's kind of like the changes that have happened within Gleam. But then kind of more generally in the industry, there's been huge, huge change. And obviously there's been increased interest in kind of working with digital talent. So I guess here's the thing, the industry changes so quickly and is so incredibly fast-paced things are kind of constantly changing as I say and I guess for me the major paradigm shift over the past few years has been the growth of digital talent using their audiences to create their own products their own brands that are separate to their personal brands um but Mm -hmm. are like fully aligned with their own values as opposed to kind of working with other brands and promoting them. And I think that's been a a major shift because ultimately people who've built their own personal brands know how to build a digital brand online. I think the penny is starting to drop for brands who haven't worked commercially with digital talent before and they're starting to look into the space in a more kind of serious way than they
0: ever have before. Do you think that working with influencers is actually a critical path for every business's marketing strategy?
2: I think it depends on what they're selling. So, you know, it really, really depends. I think if they're speaking to an audience that is primarily Let's Be Honest sitting on digital, then they need to be using that as a platform and they need to be using all of the like new platforms that are coming out. So like Clubhouse, Stereo, um, TikTok, Instagram, not just just thinking of the kind of Instagrams and Facebooks of the world. Mm -hmm. But if they're selling something that, isn't used by, let's be honest, primarily a younger demographic, then not necessarily. You know, there is audiences of older demographic to be found on um, digital. And you can use the kind of really clever targeting, advertising options on these digital platforms to reach those people. Definitely something that brands should be considering depending on who their target market is. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: I think what's magic about it is brands can, you have a direct access to your customer then, right? So you can have conversations with them in a way that you just can't in the way that you kind of would have traditionally advertised. And I think that that can be really underestimated.
1: So we wanted to dive a little bit more into your role as a talent manager and ask you what your day to day tasks are. Also, what skills you think are needed to be a really successful digital talent manager?
2: I mean, this is kind of the age old, the age old question. And I always give the most kind of general answer because it really does change every day. Like my my day never, ever looks the same. But speaking kind of generally, my role is about kind of finding and finessing career opportunities for talent that lead them to have kind of a long and fulfilling careers in the media whether that's kind of on or off digital which in terms of kind of breaking that down smaller tasks it's kind of writing a career strategy and communicating that to the team and the talent so we're all kind of aligned and seeing from the same, same hymn sheet and we know what our goals and aims are for that that year and then making sure that any decisions we make coming off the back of that are made with that strategy in mind and so whether we turn down specific Opportunities because it's kind of positioning us wrongly. And then that kind of involves negotiating multifaceted commercial partnerships for talent all the things that kind of align with their strategy still and kind of building their personal brands or talent brands by securing them press opportunities and interview opportunities. But yeah, as I say, it kind of, it changes day to day. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea in terms of what it takes to be a good talent manager. I think the key thing for me is being able to work at pace with Mm -hmm. passion pace is really important because as we've spoken about the industry moves really quickly sometimes you're turning around deals in a matter of days and you need to move as quickly as the industry is and when I say passion I mean passion for the industry because you know you can only strategize and come up with effective plans when you're totally on top of what's going on what's coming up but also kind of culturally what's happening with brands Mm -hmm. as well I actually
1: have um, another question to add on to that. So what's what, the most exciting project you worked on? Um,
2: oh, so, I mean, it's hard to say because I've done a lot of things over the four years at Gleam that I'm really proud of. But I think the one that like naturally comes to mind is finding or um, kind of conceptualizing Tala with Grace Beverly. We kind of spotted the opportunity for her to come up with a sustainable active web brand at the beginning of 2018 and kind of conceptualizing and launching that and then watching it grow to what it's become now has been extremely fulfilling so it would be hard not to say that because that's something that I've put Poured so much energy into. Yeah, we conceptualized Tala for like around a year before launch. It unfortunately ended up that Grace, um, Tala's founder, was completing her dissertation, rebranding her first business, and launching Tala all at the same time. So I ended up kind of managing Grace's career strategy alongside working as. What was effectively brand manager, HR manager, customer service oh, wow. manager as just part of like the product development team? So yeah, it ended up being really full on. But yeah, like I say, it was really, really fulfilling. Yeah. I've actually followed her journey. I
0: mean, I've been following Grace for such a long time now on social media, and she is one of those that just blew up very quickly. And really captured the attention of like such a wide variety of an audience. And I feel like she's such an interesting profile. I mean, it's yeah. amazing to be able to work on those projects and also like see like help with the other side of it too.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, the thing is with Brace, and the reason why she's been so successful is because she's so business minded and she's an expert in her field as well. And um, you know, it, it's it's grown really quickly for her because she's only twenty four. She's certainly kind of developed um that business side and that business acumen um really really quickly at a young age and yeah I don't think we could have ever anticipated when we launched Tyler the demand for the product or brand um which at the time was essentially being run by three people all age um like under the age of 24 so it was it was crazy but obviously the business is scaled and developed kind of measurably since then yeah. with loads of new employee like loads of new employees joining over the last year mm-hmm. all really like specialist knowledge mm-hmm. with Grace now kind of at the helm as ceo so it's been amazing
0: yeah seems like i mean just to have access and to be able to work on these projects that go from like, you know, like you said, no day is like the other and you can go from launching a brand to working with an actual like business client who's not necessarily an influencer on their strategy really puts like diversity and a lot of growth, I'm sure in it as well. But so following on from that, what do you Um, think are some of the most critical things to consider when you're taking the next step with an influencer and creating a business from their brand? And are there mistakes that are made along the way? I
2: think the key thing is, are you ready? Are they ready? There's such a narrative going around the internet at the moment of kind of like girl boss, hustle, hustle, all that sort of thing. And it can be really damaging because it's making people always think that they need to start their own business or they need to do this and they need to work nine Mm -hmm. to five and then they need to do something else afterwards. And, you know, it's fine to do that if you want to do that. By all means, go ahead. But you should also consider first whether you have the time whether that's truly what you want because i feel like and i feel like you guys might think this too it's often really glamorized on the internet and it's often can be a lot less glamorous than it than it looks yeah i think first thing to consider is are they ready to commit that time to it are they ready to commit Mm -hmm. themselves to it and then if you decide you are ready you need to really hone your usps what is making you different what's setting you apart from your competitors you need to kind of spend time making sure that your usps are so so clear that they're kind of expressed in every single piece of content that you put out in some way or another obviously it's not going to be kind of hard selling all the time but how are you different to your competitors and how is that really clear For the digital brands that i've launched i've made a long spreadsheet of all competitors and i've like split it into categories of like you know, what is their packaging? What are their key messaging? What price point are they? Where do they sit within the market? What press have they had? And then I work out why and how we can be different. And it's what we did for Tala. And it's, as I say, it's what I've done for every digital brand I've created since. So yeah, who who is your audience is the other question. Consider kind of creating audience profile of your primary customer but also your kind of customer groups so who are they exactly and I don't just mean like they're female and they're 25 I mean exactly what age they are where in the country do they live what do they do in their spare time what do they like to eat what do they wear or like every question you can think of you need to know mm-hmm. yeah and then once you have that you can use that to create a really successful go-to-market strategy
1: what I think is extremely interesting with Tala is that when I look at Grace's profile and you know what she does and her YouTube channel how it's grown I remember watching some of her videos a few years back when she was in university and Mm -hmm. she was showing different workout outfits in her dorm room and she was testing the squat proof of the leggings. I just think that every single aspect of what she's done throughout the years has really been imprinted in that brand. And of course, that is most likely why it's done so well. It really represents what she would wear herself and what she would promote if she was promoting a brand. So congratulations on that. I feel like you've done such a wonderful job together. Yeah, I've seen it everywhere in the (laughs) past few months. So I mean, you're doing so well, yeah.
2: Thank you, that's the thing like grace is that's one of the reasons it made so much sense for grace to bring together all of her passions like she knows what makes a good pair of leggings and Mm -hmm. like that and and she's as you say kind of um that's followed through and you can see that in her brand and her like tarlet is unique in its offering because it's sustainable it's at an affordable price point and a really on trend and a really good pair of leggings so yeah that is that's kind of working off what all of Grace's passions and what she's what she's great at
1: Exactly. Yeah, it ticks all the boxes. Uh, But we wanted to ask you a little bit more about personal branding versus a more tangible brand. You know, what are the differences when you're building her brand versus when you're building the brand itself? How do you what are the key differentiators? And what would you say are the key
2: aspects of it that are quite difficult? See, I think what's so interesting about what's happening with brands, and particularly digital brands these days, is that I think it shouldn't vary I think you should look at your your brand as though it is a person and I yeah. think that's almost what we did with Tala like this mm-hmm. is what Tala is these are its brand values we do not falter from these brand values because this is who we are and you know your customers are almost your friends in the same way that you know you, you'd have friends if you're a person I think you know obviously they are different but I think you know, the way people build brands now has changed entirely. You know, it used to all be done via press, in-store experience, TV, out of home. And now brands have direct access to their customer in the same way that digital talent have direct access to their audience. And kind of business-minded creators will or should be checking their analytics, writing and rewriting captions to get their tone of voice right, researching to create valuable content in the Kind of same way that brands should and do these days. You know, in the same way that people want to see unfiltered uncurated and real aspect of content creators and that's what they love about them they also want to see that of brands now what's happening behind the scenes and I think with a brand I've built more recently daily which is my home fragrance brand I we find that our audience resonates most with us when we've kind of got this real behind the scenes content of myself and Kitty talking about the difficulties of running a brand and what went wrong and, and all those things. And people want that from their favorite content creators as well. So, yeah, I think the two are really, really intrinsically linked, especially in terms of kind of their digital strategy. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of the most successful brands and content creators will find the perfect balance of using traditional means of advertising to become kind of household names, like we do mm-hmm. in our kind of press strategy for Grace and using kind of their digital platforms to grow and engage community, showing faces behind the brand and talking about kind of all the amazing things that your brand stands for.
0: There's so much that goes on behind building a brand. It's not simply just you need to choose a product, but it's really this whole thing that is actually taken and broken down step by step into building a successful brand. Because like you did say, you know, the person needs to be ready. You need to actually know that you're going to give 100% to the creation of this because it isn't something that is so simple and straightforward and building a brand does take a lot of time. You've also launched your own brand alongside everything else and you're the perfect person to be doing it having worked behind the scenes on launching, creating brands, creating successful marketing campaigns. So can you tell us a bit about your brand daily, Home Fragrance Brand? How did you get started? And yeah, what was your experience like? Why did you decide to launch the brand?
2: So um myself and my co-founder Kitty, and um, we started conceptualizing daily. It was almost a year ago now, right in the heart of um the global pandemic because we were just feeling really anxious and you know we weren't sure what to do with ourselves. and we essentially wanted to use home fragrance and candles to kind of calm ourselves, like using their essential oils. So we we initially created daily. To make luxury home fragrance more affordable and more earth conscious for like the millennials and Gen Zers who have similar values to us, and it's honestly it's grown quicker than we could have imagined. And you know we we featured in Glamour and Pop Sugar. It's just been crazy. Yeah. We've got kind of collaborations in the pipeline, and um, we're about to be stocked on a few well established econ platforms, um, which I can't currently name. But yeah, we're really excited about that. But I think it 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 shows. That the kind of press that we've got in such a short period of time shows that our product filled a demand for people wanting something a bit um, kind of something more affordable, but still really luxury and something like a brand that considers its impact on the planet, because it's super important to our or to me as a consumer that my product doesn't come bundled in loads of kind of landfill-only packaging. We found that that's something that our consumer really values too, that they can mm-hmm. kind of trust us, that we we care about the earth, you know, we plant a tree with every order um, and we do what we can um, to, to limit our impact. That's been kind of the journey so far. You know, we've we've only been live now since October. And yeah, we've got really exciting plans for the future. We're hoping to expand into homeware. And we're going to find kind of we're going to upcycle homeware to start with and kind of sell unique one off pieces. And yeah, we've got big plans, big plans for the future. Like I love
0: seeing new brands and discovering small businesses that achieve and accumulate success in a short period of time, because it just makes me really thrilled for how the industry is going and how you don't need to buy mass brands constantly i
2: i feel like shopping habits are changing in that sense um Mm -hmm. people seem to be really moving towards kind of smaller smaller brands um Mm -hmm. that you know give you something a little bit unique um a little bit more thought out and a little bit more considered and um and yeah, I, I've really noticed that. And that's, again, like we did a, a bit of a survey with our with our audience of what it was that they liked about us. And and that was one of the things that came up time, time again. So yeah, I feel like the way people shop is changing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I also love, I was looking at your candles and I saw that you have created these body-shaped ones. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them all across social media. <laughs> uh, but then now when I was looking a bit more into it, I could actually see that you created different body shapes, not just that perfect silhouette that you keep seeing on social. It's yes. more of a variety. Yes, it
2: was so, so important to us to make sure that we were kind of being a little bit more representative of people yeah. and women and their body shapes. And um, we actually did a, a collection recently called the Unapologetic Collection, which has mm-hmm kind of body hair painted onto it, stretch marks, nipples of different kind of shapes and colors to just celebrate the the body and like in all of its kind of natural forms and it was it was really really successful, people loved it because it's just not what you're used to seeing on Instagram and it was just something a little bit more unfiltered and different um so we're going to be um, restocking that.
1: They're great and also the coloring I just feel like you got everything right with these candles
2: so. <laughs> oh, thank you that's
1: so really
0: no <laughs> i'm really curious um to know research is a big part of it would you say that you knew exactly what you wanted to do when you decided to launch a brand when you started conceptualizing it or did you find that your product development really progressed further down the line once you've done your research and spoken to customers and seen what like what's the
2: real market interest that's really interesting and I, I actually love that question because I think and this is what I say to all my friends who are looking to start digital businesses is yes it's so important you do your research first um and you know you, you need to do all the things that I've spoken about you know previously but actually you make the most progress as you go and I think certainly um for smaller brands that you know have less resource it's best just to get started with something and you can hone and develop and work off what your audience is is loving. And for Mm -hmm. us, female empowerment is something our audience love and that's what we love too. And I think probably the reason why they're enjoying it so much is because it's it's what's authentic to us and it's what we like to talk about. Um, So we've kind of grown and developed with our audience and and I think that is what is quite special about it because you kind of work with them to build the brand so yeah I think it's a mixture of both but I I don't think um, I guess the biggest piece of advice is not to not move forward with it because you don't feel like you've got everything perfect because you can hone and develop as you go as well.
1: Yeah that's true I mean I know that I myself and also Bianca we've thought about so many different ideas of what we could possibly do if we were to start a business and then Once you get into the the planning phase, you just keep things keep popping up and you keep thinking, oh, wow, you know, this is another thing to add to the list of things we have to do. So it can get quite difficult to manage all of this. How do you how do you stay on top of it? How do you have how do you stay on top of your own brand and then also working at Gleam? How do you do it?
2: Oh, (laughs) I I've started um, I've got quite a strict schedule, so I always make sure to time block um, my day out. But the the key thing for me is that I get up early before anyone else is up. Um, mm-hmm. So Sometimes I'm getting up at kind of six um, to get everything done, start work on daily, do a bit of exercise before I then yeah. start work for Gleam. I split out my time working for daily and my time working for Gleam with exercise. So I make sure between the two I I go for a walk or do a bit of yoga or whatever I do, just so long as it's some sort of movement. And then when I'm working on Gleam, I'm only working on Gleam. And when I'm working on Daily, I'm only working on Daily. And that's that's the kind of most effective way I've found to manage it. That doesn't mean to say I'm not stressed a lot of the time. It's good at the moment because I don't really have anything else to do because I'm in my house <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So the I think the difficulty will come in the next few months when you know, you know friends are wanting to go for dinner or or that sort of thing and you know I'm having to prioritize my business over Friendships. I think that's maybe where people who run their own businesses come into the most problems um, with managing their time. But yeah, lots of time blocking, as much exercise as I can manage, trying to eat as healthy as I can, and not overdo it with the caffeine. And that is how I'm I'm managing it at the moment. How do you guys manage it? Because you you have the exact you have the exact same thing. Very similarly to you, but I can't
0: imagine putting an actual like physical product and a tangible brand into the mix as well. Um, It is just a lot to handle. And you like it is cliche to say, but you do have to really love it because it has to motivate you. You do have to
2: really want to work and give it your everything you're so right and like yeah that's it I think like when we were working on for example the unapologetic collection, which I just spoke about with all the body hair and stuff like we felt so passionately about that and it mattered so much to us so mm-hmm. like you say it didn't feel like hard work and actually it felt like something we we wanted to do in our spare time like and also I'm doing it my business partner's my best friend so that obviously mm-hmm. helped. Yeah. yeah I find that it's so good to actually work with people who are,
0: you're really close with but also you mm-hmm. you complement each other in different business
1: senses. Exactly yeah. actually that's an interesting thing to talk about how do you split the work between the two of you?
2: So we Kitty is really really creative Um, so she does mm-hmm. kind of the um manufacturing of the products at the moment we are hopefully moving into kind of um, third party manufacturing very soon she kind of does the designing a lot lots of stuff on her Instagram feeds a lot of the kind of like graphics if you like um, she does all the branding I work on PR branding like in terms of m- more kind of captions and um, how we describe ourselves I work on kind of financial and business planning strategy those are kind of the two kind of key ways that we separate ourselves and um, but to be honest there's it's because it's such a small business at the moment, there's only two of us working on it. We are hoping to get some more help in over the next few months, but there's a lot of crossover and I think that's kind of the magic. I also do think it's really important to separate, separate out what you're best at because you're both going to enjoy it more then, and you know you're going to get more value from it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know um, my boyfriend actually. He really wanted to start something with me because we have very, very different skill sets. He yeah. works in private equity. He's very good with numbers. He's very good with structure. And then there's me. I'm very creative. So he was like, you know what, this could be good. Mm. And I was like,
2: honey (laughs) it's not gonna work (laughs) (laughs) Now you sound like a match made in heaven (laughs) yeah yeah but
1: I just he just works a lot and yeah it wasn't gonna work out but I think he was right in that sense that you need to have different skill sets in order to complement each other so that you're not just sitting on top of each other the whole time Mm
2: -hmm. and wanting
1: to do the exact same thing because then there's no there's no new ideas, you're just competing over the same tasks. So yeah, I think it's really important to have different skill sets when you're starting
2: a business with someone. Yeah, totally. And I think that is, at the moment, what's working really, really well with um, with me and Kitty. Um. So yeah, very, very thankful for her. To connect to that,
0: your business is obviously really new. However, I don't know if you're planning to get involved in the sphere that you actually work in, um, in influencer marketing for your own product if so is there a reason like why you would or why you wouldn't at this stage and what are some of the best practices and how to go about
2: with a successful strategy especially for a new brand i think oh for a new brand as well the thing is you've got to look at budget it's a bit like how long is a piece of string for me the like really successful campaigns are the ones who aren't just kind of like okay can you just do a post on instagram please because there's so much more to talent than that. You know, you've got to look at them and 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 what their audience is saying and, and how they relate to their audience best. And, you know, are they a high enough profile talent to be able to, you know, go on billboards or could you do a brand created um, piece of content that sits on brand platforms and is pushed out to audiences that would also be interested? So, but that costs a lot of money. So I guess it depends entirely on... How how, what your budget's looking like and how big you can go. For me like thinking of like a really really successful brand cam- campaign that I loved and I think is a really kind of good example of how you should work with digital talent. The EDF campaign, it sounds really unsexy, I realise that <laughs> um, but it's just it's, they did it so well because they just thought outside of the box. They did a campaign to like bus myths on um, their electric vehicles and
1: Mm -hmm. they set
2: like carefully chosen talent challenge of completing a British road trip each in a different electric vehicle and then they hired a kind of high level production team to film the talent doing it but they also asked the talent to create content on their own kind of in their own style as they usually would Um, however that looked and they kind of left the creative to the talent which I think is so important then they use the talents content to push to the main video which was like beautifully shot. Um, and then they boosted that content out um, to lookalike audiences who reflected the talent talent's audiences and kind of showed a, a disposition to like this sort of content. They found people were like commenting, saying that they'd convinced to make the switch for electric vehicles. And I think that's because it was such a kind of unique campaign and they really started conversations with it. So I think, you know, obviously you've got to stick to kind of, what you've what you've got available to you in terms of budget and how big you can go, think outside the box, don't just send influencers a brief of like, please, can you do one story about this product and you must say exactly mm-hmm. this because that's not going to resonate with their audience,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean I, I see that good. a lot with yeah. um, a lot of these apps, these influencer apps where you go in and there's different campaigns. it mentions exactly what they want from you in terms of like caption. Um, everything. And I feel like that really does take away the whole aspect of being a content creator, mm. where you are, you know, you know, your audience, you know, what they like. And if someone tells you what to do, you might not have the same effect that they're actually wanting to have on your audience. So yeah, I think that's extremely interesting and definitely something i'll bring into my work as well the talent
2: should love the brand organically mm-hmm. um if you're going to work with them you should be working with talent who love your brand organically because they'll post about you yeah. organically because they like you and it'll all seem really kind of natural and authentic because it is authentic because mm-hmm. they like it but um i think that's that's really really key as well authenticity is a big one that doesn't go
0: unnoticed because people are so smart and they can see when there's something on an ad on Instagram that doesn't feel quite right and that Mm -hmm. can only just damage the brand
2: and the influencer. I know that's the thing I I feel like when I started working in digital I just looked at it like I used Instagram in a completely different way Um, and I feel like you guys probably feel the same like when you started although it probably was more of a gradual process for you so you probably noticed Mm -hmm. it less yeah, I just started looking at it really commercially, whereas when I used to use it, I'd use it as a consumer.
1: I wanted to ask what the most rewarding part of your job is, both with your own business and then also being a talent manager at Gleam.
2: Ooh, what is that? With the kind of being a talent manager, mm-hmm. it's achieving those goals that you've set out to achieve. So we write our talent um kind of target bios which essentially um, we write bios it's almost like a vision board type thing Mm. as as though it's their bio in two years and a good example of that is when I was um, writing Grace's initial strategy um, from a year ago we um, wrote in there that we were going to we wanted or one of her main aims for the year was to achieve um Forbes 30 under 30 and Mm -hmm. we made progress towards that and within three months it had happened and it's Mm -hmm. those sorts of moments that you can't replicate like it's just so exciting because you've said that you want to do it and you've laid it out and you've put it in writing and you've said this is what I want to achieve and then it's even more exciting that you've actually achieved it within like a quicker time frame than what you'd initially set out um so that's the kind of thing I love doing I love actually just achieving those strategies and that's what I find so rewarding because also you make the talent happy and you know you it kind of it bonds you over like a long period of time so that's that's kind of gleam side and then in terms of daily it's got to be working on campaigns that really mean something to you so like you can you can start something and you can work you can for example with our most recent campaign about body confidence um we donated a percentage of the profits to be real which is a charity that helps children and goes around to children in schools and be more confident about their body and you get to do Mm -hmm. things that like feel really tangible and and beneficial and, and do things for community via your brand and that is something that feels incredibly special.
1: Wow! well, you've had such an amazing journey. And um, yeah, we can't wait to see what you're going to do in the future. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen with daily. I'm sure it's going to explode. You're going to be on top of the candle trends. (laughs) I bet I'm going to be watching. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to tell
2: everyone where they can find you and find Daily? Of course. So um, you can find Daily um, on at Daily Flame underscore underscore. And you can find me on at Verity Park. Thank you for joining. Thank you, guys. It's been so much fun. Thank you for
1: listening to this week's podcast episode with Verity Park. We hope you loved the episode and found it insightful. If you want to learn more about influencer marketing or Verity's brand, Daily Flame, make sure to check out her Instagram platforms. We'll link all of them down below in the description. Until next time, bye bye. bye.